This podcast is dedicated to the memory of King Kong Bundy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 10, 10, 10 of the Fretzelmania podcast, reviewing and rebooking the best and worst in pro wrestling. I am your host, Mr. Fretz. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the legendary JF. On Facebook at James Aaron Fretz. You can find me blogging on rantwithant.com, be the brand. And you can find this podcast, F R E T Z L E Mania, on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, many more um, other um, podcast carriers like Breaker, and here on Anchor.fm. Today I am talking about. You know, wrestle one of the WrestleManias from the past. Um, now that we're into March, lousy March weather, it means WrestleMania season's here. While we have to take the fast lane there, at least there are no roadblocks. Um, dad jokes aside, I know many of you in the WrestleMania Radio Network are going to Mania this year. Many of you in the Kings of the Rings and uh, rant with that Patreon chatter going, and I'm just so, so jealous of you all. Um, maybe next year Mr. Fretz will make his Fretzelmania debut. Um, allegedly, it's in Tampa, and that could be doable. I could fly there, you know. Uh, you know, SummerSlam in Toronto, uh, it's just a couple hours away from me. Uh, it's not happening now. Um, as we go, th- As we go throughout the year, I will fill you in. Um, I have previous uh, commitments that day. I realized, so I'll I will plug that later later in the year. Some of you already know what it is. So between now and April, I'm going to be reviewing WrestleManias on on the blog, on my podcast, and also with good brother Nate the Effing Great on the Game Changer podcast. And I think we've selected WrestleMania X Seven to be one of the uh, the two that we review. So keep keep your eyes out for that later in the month. Nate, if you can hear this, let's make it happen sometime, buddy. So speaking of X7, you know, everyone loves that one to death, including myself. It's it's my personal favorite. But WrestleMania 19, what I'm talking about today, is one that I think kind of gets either left in the cold or it's underrated or it's not mentioned a lot. And of course, WrestleMania 19, Safeco Field, Seattle, Washington. Um, Brian Zane from Wrestling Re- with Regret was there. And this is also home of that giant Kellamania sign. Some of you know what I mean. The most annoying fan sign of all time. I just wish, wish someone was there to rip that piece of shit down. Because don't put a sign in front of my face. <laughs> I will rip it down. Period. Um, I know that might might make me a bad wrestling fan, and I haven't been to a live wrestling show in over in like twenty odd years. What do I know? So nineteen WrestleMania nineteen seems to be one that was it was popular at the time, but it also came at a time when business was kind of down a little bit. You know, the Attitude Era was 
was just ending and, uh, you know, the WWF became the WWE thanks to the World Wildlife Fund with use of a steel chair. And, you know, WCW was gone. There was no competition. You know, NWA TNA was, had started a few months before this doing their weekly pay-per-views. And, you know, Ring of Honor, I think, was just starting up. MLW was was a thing back then, but it didn't have a lot of the mainstream coverage. So you only had one wrestling company to watch, and that was the WWE. So without further ado, I'm going to be getting into WrestleMania 19. And I just wanted to briefly mention Sunday Night Heat because it had John Cena uh, in his rap gimmick. They wanted to do this battle rap with Jay-Z, Jay-Z if you're a Canadian. Um, but of course he wasn't going to appear there, right? Um, so of course he raps with the cardboard cutout. Uh, we see the Raw Tag Team Championship. I think it was... Chief Morley, a.k.a. Val Venus, and Lance Storm against the Dudley Boys. Uh, screw job finished, Dudley Boys lose, I think. Um, so now getting into the opening of the show, we have Matt Hardy, version one, with Shannon Moore against Rey Mysterio versus, I mean, for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. Now, V1, not you, Steve, from OSW Review, but Matt Hardy, version one, was just a gimmick. It might have been a huge risk, but it, it paid off. It was awesome. I mean, the blends, we had the brand, I'm sorry, brand split in 2002. Break up, you know, great tag teams like the APA, like the Hardys, like the Dudleys. And it left the rosters to compromise. I mean, you had Mark Henry tagging with, with Farouk. I mean, it kind of makes sense because they were both in the Nation of Domination in the past. Uh, you had... Bubba Ray Dudley on Monday Night Raw chasing the hardcore title. You had Reverend Devon and Deacon Batista. Yeah, that was a thing. Um, on SmackDown. And you had Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy on, on separate brands as well. Now, Matt Hardy had to find his niche. I mean, his brother was popular, was really popular. He was having, you know pretty big matches with the likes of the undertaker on 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 raw make yourself famous kid climb that ladder back on uh, if you if anyone remembers that ladder match he had with taker holy shit was that phenomenal so matt hardy needed to find his niche on smackdown and it turned out he just needed a system update and you know you had the the uh, piping Sound effects and the early 2000s internet buffering was just perfect. And he had his little mat facts on the Tron, which was just, it was icing on the cake. It made it perfect. You know, and some of his notable facts included, you know, Matt likes English muffins. Matt strongly dislikes mustard. Matt hates cold weather. Mattitude is practiced in 100 countries. Matt's bedtime is 4 a.m. Sounds like me. And so on. Accompanying him to the ring is Shannon Moore, formerly of WCW's hit boy band Three Count. One, two, three. And unfortunately, he didn't bring his little platform to, to dance on or Tank Abbott. Um, also, also worth noting here is I think it was either before this or after this, uh, Crash Holly was briefly... Uh, 
with Matt Hardy and Shannon Moore and his, you know, typing internet version of one thing had the had the thing crashing. Ah, there it is. Also, unfortunately, this was the year that Crash Holly passed away and him being a low key favorite of mine plug for a future podcast topic. Um, it wrecked me. I mean, that, that was devastating. So Rey Mysterio comes out in his daredevil inspired attire. And right away, I'm reminded of that awful, awful Ben Affleck daredevil movie. Well, at least I hope he doesn't ruin another superhero. Oh boy. Hey, at least that movie gave us the, that movie soundtrack gave us evanescence. Uh, wake me up inside. How is that? Whatever that song is. Wake me up inside. <clears throat> so we have Rey Mysterio just starting, starting off hot. This move after move after move. Aerial assault. Tries for the sunset bomb to the outside. But, you know, MFR Shannon Moore stops him. Um, hello, disqualification. We hit Matt hitting an elevated side effect for a two count and just starts working over Ray, rest holds and whatnot. Matt distracts the referee once again, allowing Shannon Moore to get a couple of cheap shots in. And Ray springboards right into a twist of fate attempt, but but he rolls up Matt. V1. We hit a side effect for another two count and a rest hold again. Cole reminds us that Limp Biscuit is performing tonight, and I'm wondering, did I put the did I put the wrong tape in? What year is this? Let me let me check. Oh, <laughs> Cole then says this really strange, out of context line. I'm still trying to figure this teabagging thing out. Ray hits a springboard seated senton on on V1, and Cole. I think he gets his answer. That's what teabagging is, Cole. We hit Ray's stamina meter refills and hits a springboard splash, a head scissors, and a tornado DDT. This is just WCW Ray Mysterio right here. Uh, Ray is about to dial up 619, but of course, Shannon Moore trips him. We have a twist of fate and a, mm, a kick out. Okay. And we see this really cool splash mountain bomb, you know, like a bottom rope, razor's edge. You know, he's Matt Hardy standing on the bottom rope and he has. Gray Mysterio up for the for the razor's edge, but that's countered into it. Her and Kenrana. And, you know, Moore puts Matt's foot on the rope again. Dude, disqualification. We had a 619, no West Coast pop, but it's roll up into reversal, and V1 retains by holding the bottom rope. This was a fun, quick, short opener that got the crowd hot. I'm and during the ruthless aggression era, we had some bangers in the cruiserweight division we had some amazing workers i mean we had the likes of paul london brian kendrick um akio you know jimmy wang we had you know tajiri jamie noble billy kidman this was a stacked division to say the least and this showcased the best of it chavo guerrero there's another one backstage Alemo pulls up with, oh, for God's sake. Oh, the Miller Lite catfight girls. Who else remembers this being a thing? Yeah, this is 2003, all right. I was 19 at the time. I didn't mind seeing girls catfight. But looking back now, this is just so ass backwards. So they imitate wrestling 
forum discussion sites that I was a part of and argue over which match is going to be better. Hogan McMahon or Austin Rock? Hogan McMahon, Austin Rock. Total cringe. Next up, The Undertaker and not Nathan Jones versus The Big Show and A-Train. Well, here's a match that happened. We see the Colossus of Boggle Road, Nathan Jones, a big, hulking, bald Australian guy who was originally pitched, allegedly, as a Hannibal Lecter-type character, uh, you know, coming out with the mask and the stretcher and whatnot, and something that's portraying his actual criminal past. Uh, I wonder if he would have tagged with Crush. So Nathan Jones was a victim of, you know, too much, too fast in wrestling, being booked super strong solely for his size. I mean, he was in the WWA World Wrestling All-Stars just before this. And if you remember what that is, I'm sorry. Uh, And he was just going to be, you know, the next big thing, not Brock Lesnar, just being booked strong for his size. Fortunately for him, the bell rang and he was awful in the ring and it was apparent right away that he wasn't ready to be booked and he was you know booked to be injured he was jumped backstage leaving taker to deal with with big show and a train by himself so now limp biscuit is out hitting hitting the stage to perform Rollin' hit song of the year 2000 and the undertaker's former entrance theme he hasn't used since about Backlash 2002. Uh, the license must have ran out, but they had the venue booked, so you figure, why not? At least Jim Johnson didn't do the live rendition of, you know, you've done it now, you've gonna made a big mistake, you're gonna pay, you're gonna pay. <clears throat> and we see Fred Durst, who surprisingly is not the strangest unlockable wrestler in a video game. I think that title belongs to either head or tony or the entire wcw thunder roster for playstation one or nitro look it up it's weirder than aki man from revenge whole bunch of strange shit there <sighs> they're on all the drugs so taker comes out he rides his giant harley with a giant american flag and we see you know the, the choreography choreography god i can't say that word from from the music video hitting hitting the ring you know hands up hands down back up back up tell me what you want to do now is this really 2003 i swear because i swear i saw this and i was back in like 10th grade so the undertaker aka big evil or as my pastor at the time called him big awful because i had the shirt and i once wore it to like a church barbecue yeah i did that shut up you know, he was surprisingly still over. However, I thought his American badass gimmick was getting a little stale. But, you know, with at the time the USA was at war with Iraq, America was in turmoil from, you know, post 9-11. They needed something patriotic to root for. You know, me, I'm a Canadian. You know, I get it. I understand. I sympathized. Um I have a personal story about 9-11. I'm not even going to get there today. This is, it's unrelated. Let's not go there. So Nathan Jones was set to be in this match, but he was jumped, jumped backstage by the Colossal Connection 2.0. IRL, you know, we, I just discussed he was not fit to compete. 
And this match was uh, kind of bad. It was really nothing special other than your classic giant heels getting heat until the partner comes out to to make the save cliche. But since the Undertaker's not the type to need backup, Jones is just there to get some heat back. He run, Eventually, he runs out, hits an awful spin kick on Big Show. Taker Tombstone's A-Train for the win, and the streak lives on for 11 more years. Uh, Nathan Jones was shipped back to to OVW and wouldn't make an appearance for the WWE until, I think, Survivor Series uh, of that year. Uh, wow. Uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of Taker and Big Show. Actually, all of them, like, except Nathan Jones. He sucks. Like, I'm a big big fan of, you know, Taker, Big Show, Albert. These were all great wrestlers at some point in time. You know, Big Show at this point, I think, was just on his way down to a steep decline. You know, his health and his weight was, uh, was fluctuating. And it took some time for him to get his groove back and his weight down. But, you know... You know, I met Big Show last year, and he is shredded. And I, I think he's finally got got his groove back. Um, it's time for you to get your groove back again. Uh, so now we have the WWE Women's Championship match between Trish Stratus, Jazz, and Women's Champion Victoria, accompanied by Steven Richards. Hey, does anyone remember Tattoo? You know, that one hit wonder, all the things she said. Yeah, that was Victoria's theme song at the time. You know, a psychotic, demented, sadistic villain heel using a song about the turmoil of a girl having homosexual feelings in a society that is shaming it. Yeah, okay, that works. Sure, it has a crazy sound, but I'm not sure it fits the character. You know, Victoria wasn't having a homosexual gimmick or anything. So maybe this theme was better suited for HLA. Don't ask. But you know what? That was a nice this theme was a nice throwback. It took me right back to um to uh grade 13. Yeah, I was the last if you're from Ontario and you know what OAC is, I was the last grade to get that. Technically what grade 13 is. So it took me back. And, you know, it's a cool song, cool music video. No, not because it has girls making out in the rain. It's all about the message, folks. Although, hey, I was, ni- I was 19 at the time. Come on, roll tide. <laughs> but looking back now, yeah, kind of offensive. So at the time, the three best female workers, I, th- I thought here, were putting on just a clinic of Fantastic, awesome match with Jazz showcasing her power. Victoria with her mind games and Trish, Trish kind of kind of being an underdog in a way. You know, based on who she's facing, yeah. So right away, you know, Jazz interrupts Stevie hugging Victoria. Wow, that's rude. And, you know, the match starts. And Jazz immediately hits Trish with a dropkick and lots, locks in what looks like a land. Last Chancery. Wow, say that sentence ten times fast. Victoria gets into the ring and, you know, hits the Fez Press. You know, they brawl on the outside, the Jim Duggan special. You know, Victoria comes out with her awesome slingshot flipping leg drop. You know, and then Jazz hits a leg drop. I mean, dude, we got to fill up your quota for Hulk Hogan here or what? Uh, Okay, so Jazz and Victoria are starting to work together, you know, 
classic, classic heel tactics, and that's a scary tag team now. Imagine them in the women's tag team championship picture. Damn. So they hit a badly botched double shoulder breaker. And then the short-lived alliance is over. Well, that was fine. That was fun. Trish sneaks in behind Victoria with a bridge for the for the roll-up and a near fall. Uh, Trish, Victoria holds Trish for a jazz to kick and fail. Come on, didn't you learn anything from HBK and Diesel like three times? Uh, Trish rolls up jazz for some near falls. You know, there's a, there's a chick kick by Trish and Victoria breaks it up. We have a mate Trish and, you know, a bunch of chops and some woos because, of course. And Jazz hits in a half Boston Crab, a.k.a. the Canadian Maple Leaf. You know, and I, I imagine, you know, Lance Storm backstage raising an eyebrow. Uh, she switches to the STF just without the U. Stevie interferes. No disqualification here, ref. But nothing. Trish rolls up Victoria, grabs her tights, and shows the audience some of her bum. Uh, Jazz gets tossed out of the ring. Stevie Richards attempts to get involved again. He tries to come in with a chair, but like a classic heel, it bounces off the ropes, hits him in the face, and Trish gives him the stratisfaction for good measure. Victoria goes for the widow's peak. Trish gets out of it, hits the chick kick, and wins back the women's championship. This tied... At the time, it tied the fabulous, fabulous Mula for her fourth women's title reign, and I believe Trish would go on to hold the title two more times before retiring. Uh, I think it was good for being so short. They got everything. They got all their stuff in in just under 10 minutes. Uh, sadly, we would go about another decade before women's wrestling is actually taken seriously, and you know they're not wrestling in gravy or pudding or anything like that the next week. What we see later in the show is a massive step back, and I'm going to take a quick break here and go on the rest of WrestleMania 19. Stay tuned. And we're back for part two of WrestleMania 19. Backstage, we have The Coach and The Rock. Oh, here we go. Classic moments. I wonder what Rock's going to do here. Is he going to tell Rock, tell Coach to get down on his knees and say his prayers? Is he going to call him a jabroni? Well, here we go. It's like, you know, say, Coach saying, you know, Rock, we have over 50, 54,000 people in the ring, uh, in the arena. People? People? The same people that booed The Rock last year at WrestleMania X8. The same people who booed The Rock given the concert of a lifetime. The same people who want to chant sellout. Yeah, The Rock is a sellout. He has sold out every WrestleMania he's ever been in. Hey, Dwayne, Fretz here. You and the Sultan did not sell out WrestleMania 13. Nice try, Jabroni. The Rock could care less about the people. Meaning you do care. Meaning you do care. At least a little. I hate these word crimes. Oh, please, God, someone get that reference. And you see The Rock just go on and on about destiny. Like he's Alberto Del Rio. It is his destiny to beat Austin at WrestleMania if you smell. Blah, 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 blah. Classic Rock promo. I mean... He was on his game here. 
and he was he was getting some heat. So next up, the SmackDown Tag Team Championship between champions Kurt Angle, uh, Team Angle, uh, Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas versus Los Guerreros, Eddie and Chavo versus Chris Benoit and Rhino. So SmackDown's tag team division has been the best since actually day one-ish. The elite SmackDown sex of the early draft era were always putting on amazing matches, be it singles or tag team. You know, this includes an amazing classic 45-minute beast between Edge and Eddie Guerrero. Uh, speaking of Edge, unfortunately with for him at the time, he was out with, with neck surgery and we wouldn't see him until just after WrestleMania 20. And yes, I am reviewing number 20. Uh, Haas and Benjamin were recently called up to be protégés for Kurt Angle and actually won the titles from Los Guerreros on SmackDown. Uh, Rhino had recently returned to maybe kind of take Edge's place in the feud in the tag team. Uh, he, he was written in to be, you know, back up for Chris Benoit. Uh, and the writing was on the wall. And right away, you could not have a pay-per-view. You could not have a title match without any of these elite talents involved. So why not put them all in there? Right away, we see everyone brawl. Chavo and Charlie Haas start off with a great exchange. Um, and every time you see Charlie Haas, he has the name Russ, you know, written on his wrist tape. Um, of course, it was his a tribute to his, his late brother, Russ, who was a pro wrestler and a tag team with Charlie. And they were in WWE developmental as far back as I think 2000. And unfortunately, you know, Russ passed away of a heart attack at a very young age. I think he was only like 27, 28 years old. And, and yeah, he's, he, every night he wrote that as a tribute to, to Russ. And they, they could have been in this spot had Russ, you know, been, been alive. Imagine that. And maybe Shelton Benjamin as like another, as another member of Tino Angle with Charlie and Russ. Man, imagine that. So, Right away, Charlie and Haas start off with a great exchange. Benoit is tagged in, and then Eddie, and right away, I'm back in time to Nitro circa 1997, or SmackDown circa 2002, depending on who you ask. Lots and lots of chops from Benoit, of course. You know, Rhino tags in and hits a nice Bulldog-esque power slam on Eddie. Everyone gets a chance to play, not with Nikki Cross, and then Chris Benoit hits his hat trick of German suplexes. Uh, to which Cole responds, Seattle doesn't have a hockey team, but they know a lot about hat tricks. Well, yes, Michael Cole, they didn't have a hockey team in 2003. But after 2020, they will have an NHL franchise. And since Seattle is not too far from Vancouver, I imagine some of them go to Canucks games. So... Maybe they do know about hat tricks. And there is a little thing called the Seattle Metropolitans who won the Stanley Cup in, like, what, 1907. So, depending on who you ask, Cole, do your research. Uh, you know, of course, like every multi-tag team match, it breaks out into a schmoz. Chavo eats a gore. You know, and, and right after that, Eddie drags Rhino to the outside, allowing the actual legal man, Shelton Benjamin, to make the cover for the win 
for Team Angle. And this was a great, quick match showcasing everyone's everyone's best and everyone just getting into the card. And, you know, 2003, stacked. Backstage, oh, not again. Oh, Miller Cat Fight Girls. Now they're talking to Tori and Stacy. Next, moving on. Woo-hoo-hoo, here we go. Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels. And this is where I feel Mr. WrestleMania was born. And HBK's performances up to this point in time were decent, but I thought they improved tenfold after his comeback. Uh, You know, this this being his first Mania match since 1998 when he dropped the title to Stone Cold Steve Austin. And then after this, he went on to put consecutive classics against the likes of Kurt Angle, John Cena, and The Undertaker. And I'm not counting his street fight with Vince McMahon here because, well, let's face it, it was just it was not it was not unlike the street fight we're gonna see later later on with McMahon. Um, we see a great promo package showcasing the feud, you know, Jericho playing off his actual childhood idolization of HBK. You know, I grew up of wanting, I grew out of wanting to be the next Shawn Michaels and concentrating on being the first Chris Jericho. I should hope so, Chris. Identity theft is no joke. Millions of families suffer every year. Excuse me. Uh, we see footage of Chris, you know, just being a heel, uh, locking Stacy Keeler in the walls of Jericho. She was wearing a Leafs jersey. Triggered. How dare you, Chris? HBK comes out with Chino's pyro gun from No Mercy, wearing his old school, you know, heartbreak kid gear. Uh, just brought right back to 1995, 1996 HBK. Um, they lock up and it's it's just on. And you know, up to this point, this was a dream match for many of us wrestling fans. And it's here. It's right in front of us. You know, they exchange a lot of stare downs and takedowns and hit some Ricky Drake Ricky Steamboat esque arm drags. Fun fact, Jericho faced him at WrestleMania and Backlash six years later. So Jericho gets launched, crotch first in the corner after a bulldog attempt. Ow. And we see HBK locking in the figure four. Woo! And Jericho gets out of it. Uh, you know, HBK avoids attack and he skins the cat, a la Ricky Steamboat. And Y2J, you know, Y2J spends the match targeting Sean's back. And having a bad one myself, I can feel your pain, Sean. You know, Jericho locks in the walls on the outside, runs into the count of nine, and your winner by count is... Oh, wait, Chris, stop the ref count. Boo earns. Boo. Boo that man. Boo. So Chris taunts the Seattle faithful. I'm guessing he doesn't need to push the Supersonics button because they were a team back then. Sorry, John. Sorry, Durbinator. I had to. And HBK screams... Y2J screams at HBK, I'm better than you. Who better than Canyon? Uh, You know, Jericho tries his WCW revenge and no mercy pin on him, you know, with the foot on his chest and the the flex. Yeah, no, that never works. Time for a rest hold and a rally for Shawn Michaels to get back in the match. Shawn reverses a backdrop 
into a stiff and kind of botched DDT. We see Jericho hit HBK's flying forearm and the kip up. Uh, he must have spun the analog stick backwards because he started doing HBK's, uh, you know, pose, the, you know, the bending knee and the flex. Unfortunately for him, right behind him, Shawn Michaels also kips up, thus filling his stamina meter, and Jericho lands a back suplex, not unlike the teardrop suplex. Oh, God, remember that finisher? After a great series of near falls and maneuvers and whatnot, it leads to a lion salt by Chris Jericho. And then two, two counts because he pins him twice. And her and Kanrana is reversed into the walls. And that seems to be all Sean can take. He reaches the ropes. Jericho hits a underhook, uh, double underhook backbreaker, AKA welcome to Chicago MF or CM Punk. Uh, Chicago. <clears throat> I'm sorry, everybody. I'm flubbing my words as usual, but I press on. Chris Jericho tunes up the band and hits Sean with his own version of Sweet Chin Music. Kick out. HBK hits a springboard crossbody and the two trade blows. Super back suplex is countered into a pin by HBK and they're down again. Walls of Jericho yet again, seemingly forever. Jericho pleads with the referee and runs right into a Sweet Chin Music. And HBK takes a long time to come to the cover, kicks out again, and then, out of desperation, he hits a reverse roll-up for the win. Shawn Michaels wins a true classic and one of the most underrated match from two of the very best of all time. They share a hug, and, you know, Chris Jericho's, you know, eh, gives him a hug, and then just kicks Shawn Michaels right in the balls. Uh, low blow. Poor sportsmanship, Chris. That's not very Canadian of you. We're supposed to be polite. You're giving us a bad name. So, WWE's favorite band, Limp Biscuit, comes out and performs Crack Addict from the album Results May Vary. One of two songs from that album they used in 2003. The other being Build a Bridge. Which, that song, I listened to that song recently and it brought back awful memories from just a really dark time in my life. Um, I'm not going to divulge um, further into that, but yeah, I owned this album and it sucked. And it had like a Fred Durst cover of Behind Blue Eyes. Uh, it was no Chocolate Starfish. Hell, it was no Significant Other or even $3 Bill, y'all. Yes, I had their albums. I was 19 at the time. Stop it. Next, we have, oh, please, God, no. <sighs> the Mother Cat Fight Girls versus Stacey, Stacey Keebler and newest Hall of Fame inductee, Tori Wilson. Scantily clad women having a pillow fight on a bed on the stage. Coach gets pantsed, and they push. The girls do, you know, the squatting behind the guy and pushing him. And pinning him for the win. Kill me. Next, the not-WCW heavyweight title with Triple H. With Ric Flair against Booker T. Great, from blatant sexism to blatant racism. They believe you should not be world champion. What do you mean, Hunter? Yeah, we we all know that this had some possibly had some racial undertones in here 
What do you mean by that by that thing, Hunter? Ex-convicts? Or is there more to it? Nope. Not going there. So right in the middle of Triple H's reign of terror, they have a feud for some reason. You know, Triple H is wearing purple and looks ridiculous. You know, we see Ric Flair and Nate on the outside just constantly being a classic heel dick, constantly distracting Booker. You know, strut, strut, woo, woo. You know, Booker T should have had Stevie Ray in his corner, at least to, uh, you know, even things out. So Triple H goes for a second rope nothing and eats a Harlem super kick. Booker misses a Harlem sidekick and sails over the top rope, selling a knee injury. And then Triple H locks in his WCW finisher, the Indian Deathlock. He made a lot of people tap out that move. Um, Booker gets out of it, hits a scissors tick, takes too long to cover, kick out. Booker goes for the Houston hangover. Flair grabs Booker but gets knocked off. Triple H comes up to him for a superplex, gets knocked off. Houston hangover, rain on Triple H's face. Booker takes too long to cover, selling an injury. Nate gets Triple H's foot on the ropes, and then Triple H nails the pedigree, takes forever to cover, and wins. <sighs> yeah, that sucked. Uh, so I'm going to move right on here to the street fight of Hulk Hogan versus Vince McMahon. Speaking of racism, Hulk Hogan. You did not create Hulkamania, Vince, because it lives inside of all the Hulkamaniacs. Then who created it, Terry? God, the 1989 Denver Broncos, Ned, Chef, Mr. Garrison. And we see the real-life tension between Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon playing into this promo package from the steroid trial. You know, you, wait, you testified against me in court. You left for WCW. Just treating this feud like it was a huge deal. The emotions are running wild, brother. And we see footage of their contract signing. Of, I'm going to sign this contract in your own blood. Yo, hot damn, McMahon. Like, you better start seeing your vitamins and taking your dram pears, brother. You know, I love psychotic Vince. Well, not psychotic Vince when he's being, you know, like sexual, but. Crazy Vince is funny. Uh, Real American is dubbed over here. What I can only assume is Jimi Hendrix's voodoo child. And Hogan strums his way to the ring. And we see what would happen if two slow, plodding 50-year-old men wrestling would look like. Still, they made it entertaining. You know, Vince is working the arm because, you know, Hogan must pose. Uh, Hogan is dumped out of the ring. Vince goes for the chair, misses the post, reverberating reverberating Vince, who is then busted open. You know, we see the match go to the outside around the announce desk where Vince sets up a ladder and leg drops Hogan off of it through the announce table. <sighs> see what you will about both these guys, but that takes some grapefruits. Uh, they go back in the ring. Vince grabs a pipe, giving us that really iconic bloody Vince peering under the bottom rope at an incapacitated Hogan. Oh, man. Memories. Uh, that's a scary old man. You know, Taz is just like, here's Vince. I like Homer's version better. You know, the shitting. Don't you mean shining? Shh. Want to get sued? He attempts to clock Hogan with the pipe, but gets, you know, low blown. With both men down, a mysterious man in black comes to the ring. Oh my God, it's Roddy Roddy Piper. This was just one of the genuinely most shocking and surprising comebacks I've ever seen. And Piper, you know, 
Every time I see him, I can't help but smile. His infectious grin and just his love get, yeah, gets me every time. Um, I know he was in a really dark place at this point in time, and he released an autobiography, I think, called In the Pit. And it was a re- it's a really tough read. I mean, he's really bitter. He's in a dark spot here, but despite that, you know, like out of out of all the wrestlers who have died in the past little while, you know, even King Kong Bundy just last night, um, this Piper's hurt me the most. Um, so he comes out, he teases hitting Hogan or Vince with the pipe, but chooses to clock his old nemesis from WrestleMania one right in the noggin, and the Hulkster for some. You know, he hits the Hulkster. And for some reason, Brian Hebner is thrown out of the ring. Maybe he was finally caught selling de- counterfeit merchandise with Earl and Dave. And out comes Salon Granier, of, who would not be of La Res- Resistance yet. But he was the referee who, quote-unquote, screwed Hulk Hogan at No Way Out in Montreal the previous month. Because by wrestling law, something has to be screwy in Montreal, right? And who else forgot that Sylvain debuted as a ref? Anyways, you know, McMahon hits a leg drop, Hogan kicks out, classic, finger point, big boot, three leg drops, uh, Sylvain's tossed out, Brian Hebner makes the count, and Hogan wins. Fun match. I thought it was kind of fun to watch again. See, the Piper thing was just icing on the cake. And next, we have The Rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Two WrestleMania main events, two victories for Austin. The Rock pinned Austin at Survivor Series 2001 in the winner-take-all versus the Alliance match. So, I don't know how even we are. The Rock has done it all, except whoop that bald candy ass at WrestleMania. And for a second time, we see a Limp Biscuit song being used in an Austin Rock promo. Crack Addict does not have the same emotional gravitas as My Way, but it was a really nice touch. And of course, the, we see the footage from the Rock's concert that took place in my home away from home, Toronto. Uh, you know, everyone in southern Ontario just says they're from Toronto, so it causes less confusion. I grew up two hours north east of the city, so there we go. And the Rock claims that he is the greatest thing to hit Toronto because the Maple Leafs suck. Boo! Instant heat. If there's a way you get heat with me, is you diss my Maple Leafs. But don't. So we see The Rock's amazing Hollywood Titan Tron with, you know, the aerial view of Hollywood and then the. It's cooking. Still gives me chills. And I'm sad that he, he only used it for like three months, but he gets nuclear heat that I have not heard since he was in the corporation. We hear the glass shatter, we hear that Austin pop. And, you know, unbeknownst to me and maybe a lot of us at the time, Austin had, you know, a massive health scare the night before. You know, he drank a whole boatload of coffee and a Red Bull and had, he thought he was having a heart attack or a pulmonary embolism, but I think it was just a bit of a scare. He was kept overnight, and this was just like a freak thing. Um, Austin's symbolic OMR, one more round, is embroidered on his vest, and little did we know how right that was. This was actually his last match, and I'm just sad thinking about it, because Austin was my second or probably third of all-time favorites after Bret and Owen Hart. 
And the crowd here is electric, with two of the most popular wrestlers, perhaps of all time, squaring off. Austin immediately opens up a can of whip-ass and goes for an early stunner, but The Rock escapes out of the ring. They go for a lap, and The Rock is thrown into the steps. And every stomp gets a what chant. What chant? You know, back when they were cool for like two years. Now they just annoying. You know, Rock finally gets the advantage by clipping Austin's knee, both of which are now in knee braces. And Austin grabs, I mean, The Rock grabs Austin's vest, mocking the Texas rattlesnake. They clothesline each other, and then Austin hits the new, the Luthes, oh my God, the Luthes press. God bless Luthes, cries JR, because the Thes had recently passed away at this point in time. Rock, still wearing the vest, knocks Austin down with a lariat, gets all the crowd heat. Uh, and then, you know, Austin presses A and B in No Mercy with a special meter filled and hits the rock bottom on the rock. Austin goes for the stunner, but Rock grabs Austin's legs, flipping off before landing a stolen stunner of his own. Both of the special meters are full. Quick, land another finisher and pin him again. Man, I played way too much No Mercy back then. You know, the Rock hits his punch combo, and before landing the final blow, Austin nails the stunner. Oh, hell yeah! Kick out. Oh, hell no! Classic Rock overselling, doing the flip with the stunner, like always, is hilarious. Uh, with Hebner distracted, uh, a Rock sneaks in a low blow, and King's one wish for tonight. I wish we could see one people's elbow! <laughs> wish granted. Jabroni. Miss. Stunner. Miss, people's elbow retake. Nailed it. Two count. The crowd is just eating this up. Backer, the Texas rattlesnake refuses to die. Rock bottom. Two count. Yet again. And another one. Another rock bottom. Another two count. God, I cannot believe it. One more rock bottom. And that's curtains. Rock wins. The Rock has a little talk with Austin laying on the mat, thanking him for the match, thanking him for putting him over. Rock getting a mixed reaction, gives Austin a little, you know, a little love tap on the mat, goes and goes in, hugs his mom, makes his way out of the ring, and Austin gets his one last WrestleMania of the moment, limping, limping up the ring and saluting the crowd. And I didn't know this was for the last time, and I was devastated. But I was upset that The Rock won here, but you know what? It's a classic, and it's a great fitting end to a legendary career, and I'm always, always a mark for Stone Cold no matter what. Main event time. Well, here comes the pain. WWF Championship, E Championship, on the line, Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar. So Brock had won the Royal Rumble and ran the gauntlet against Team Angle on SmackDown. And, you know, in that match, hits Haas with the F5 and hits Shelton with the Angle Slam. Hmm, mind games. Finally, Kurt and Brock square off. Heyman causes a distraction. Team Angle swarms in. And, you know, a couple of weeks later, you know, Brock has an early title shot against Angle before Mania. Because there were some serious doubts as to Kurt's condition. You know, his neck was just shot. It was it was toast. Uh, he didn't. He almost didn't make it to Mania. So you see, Kurt knelt in the corner as to to pray that he can make it through it. And Brock hits the, the F5 right away. New champ. One, two. 
Wait, what? Oh, th this isn't Kurt. This isn't Kurt. Roll up. Yes, it is. Oh, I I'm I'm seeing double. Four Kurts. So you know, Kurt, you know, rolls him up and retains, and then the the stunt double who was in the corner at the time was revealed to, of course, be Kurt's older brother. Eric Angle. You know, this is a similar finish we saw at Survivor Series 2000 against The Undertaker. So Brock hits the F5 to the post to Eric Angle. And to say I'm shocked that Kurt made it here is an understatement. You see, you know, his name was Kurt Angle and what the heck? He won an Olympic gold medal with a broken freaking neck. Uh, and he never really got it fully fixed until then. Some, you know, six, seven years after the fact. Either that's either that's stupid or that's ballsy. I'll say it's both. Um, you see an STF into a rear naked choke, and Kurt Angle's chain wrestling game is on point. Brock stands up with Angle still locking in the sleeper, tossing him into the corner. Angle hits a belly-to-belly -belly suplex in the knee to the back. Brock hits a pair of belly-to-belly -belly suplexes. Angle hits four Germans, locks in the ankle lock. Brock reaches the ropes. And, you know, he brings Brock in the, into the middle of the ring. And he switches to a half crab. And I can imagine Lance Storm is just throwing a monitor backstage after seeing that. Two half crabs in one night? You know, Brock tosses Angle over the top rope and buys some time. Angle hits another German suplex, turning Brock right inside out. Angle slam. Brock kicks out. F5. Kurt kicks out. My God. You know. Angle hits the ankle lock again and then locks in the grapevine, which normally means curtains for his opponent. And then, you know, Brock hits another F5, but doesn't go to the cover. He goes to the top rope and, oh, dear God, no! Attempts the shooting star press and botches it, landing right on his neck, almost killing himself. Now, Brock used that move in OVW and he hadn't yet used it on WWE TV. And allegedly, had Brock nailed this, that would have been the the finish. Um, you know, the rope was slippery. It was deep in the match. They were tired. The fact that they went for this is nuts. Um, so he roll, he Kurt rolls over to a dead Brock, kicks out. And one more F5 wins the championship. So Brock wins the title. They embrace in a sign of respect. And... You know, Kurt goes on to get some some neck surgery done, and he was out until the summer. And instead of having fusion surgery, he had a less conventional one where he had some bone spurs and calcium buildup in there, maybe from too much milk, and just some disc, disc, discs all fixed up. And having had fu spinal fusion surgery, I can vouch for its brutal recovery. So that ends one of the better WrestleManias I've seen, from mostly from top to bottom. It was good. You know, parts of the Ruthless Aggression era are cringeworthy, but not this one, except for the Miller Lite cat fight. That, that was bad. Um, like, bad, awful. Rick, like, like, Triple H and Booker T wasn't that good. Other than that, we had a damn good WrestleMania here. So, go out of your way to watch this one. Skip the cat fight. You can skip... Uh, Booker and Triple H. So that is it for this one. Thank you very much for listening. 
God bless you. Keep an eye out for my next WrestleMania review on here and on rantwithat.com. Be the brand.